One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Less than 24 hours ago, we had no idea what media stories were. None whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Stuff happened. Stuff happened. Hilary Beaumont of uh, Staff Reporter for Vice Canada. Welcome to Shortcuts. Thanks, Jesse. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Robin Lamond, Asha, Kyle Parks, Eliza Von Beyer, Miles Malley, Alexander Petrenko, Marco Oved, Kate Stuparik, and Dmitry Benyaminov. Dmitry, why did you decide to be awesome? Because Jesse's uh, rebuilding something that the bigger media outlets have either forgotten or willingly eroded, and that is investigative, engaging, and educational journalism. This episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks. Were you a freelancer, Hillary? Yeah, I was. Did you do that? How did you do your billing? Um, I What did I do? You can tell me the truth. <laughs> um, I... I invoiced with Word documents, dead serious. And I also used um, PayPal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, you sort of made your own, like, homemade version of FreshBooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cobbled it together. Yeah. I did it. I never did the PayPal thing when I was using Word, but I used Word and it was just, uh, it's horrendous mm-hmm. uh, to, especially when you're compiling at the end of the year. FreshBooks makes it very simple. And it's wonderful for journalists, freelancers, small businesses, entrepreneurs. Guys, you can use FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Go there now, freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand. And if you do become a regular paying customer of FreshBooks, tell them who sent you. You will be supporting this program. Thank you to FreshBooks. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. 
We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away, but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. We are following a developing story out of the CBC tonight. There's also news from the CBC again. Another scandal has broken at the CBC, another very high-profile on-air host. Evan Solomon is gone from the CBC. The former host of Power and Politics on this network, CBC News Network, was fired last night after a report alleging he brokered art deals with people with whom he was involved as a journalist. Evan Solomon had access to the country's elite, connections he allegedly used to secretly broker art deals with a wealthy and powerful. Veteran journalists uh, like Evan Solomon should know better. The Star reports Solomon helped arrange art deals with people like BlackBerry founder Jim Balsilli and another buyer, former Bank of Canada Governor Mark Carney, also a frequent guest of his show. How did it get to this point and did anyone in management know about this in advance? But Solomon defends himself, saying in a statement through his lawyer, I disclosed this business to the CBC earlier this year. It's part of the culture of celebrity that I think has Um, really infected how journalism operates. And not just at the CBC, it seems to be rather uh, everywhere these days. And Solomon, who's been covering the ethical breaches of senators and politicians, tonight has been fired over his own financial dealings. Hillary, is it so bad what he did? That's what people have been asking. I mean, he didn't punch anybody. He didn't choke anybody. He didn't try to sabotage a colleague's journalism. He, he, he got paid, but he wasn't paid by like some very controversial industry that he covers, right? Is it so bad? Should he have been fired? Yeah, he was selling art and art is good for the world. Um, it was inconsistent with the CBC's code of ethics, which is a good thing to have 
uh, in in the CBC's arsenal, right? It's inconsistent with any journalist. Like, okay, so this is like, hey, Jim Balsilli, come meet me and we'll have an off-the-record conversation about a news story. I'm Evan Solomon, a journalist. Oh, who's this? It's my buddy, the art dealer. Let me let you guys talk. And then Bruce Bailey sells Balsilli artwork. And then unbeknownst to Balsilli, Evan Solomon's getting a cut of the whole thing. So that's really shady and bad. And it does implicate – like he is using the journalistic post. These are all allegations at this point. Um, And then when Donovan asks him about it, he lies. It's pretty bad. Right. I think his his statements to Donovan were inconsistent. So he had initially said – uh, I've never been involved in the art business. I've never sold any art to anyone. And then um, with further inquiries from Donovan, uh, he said, um, it's all disclosed to CBC. And then eventually, I'm no longer involved in the business. It's over. That was interesting. It was. And I want to kind of reverse engineer that story by Donovan to figure out how exactly he got that. Um, and I think I've got some pr- a pretty good idea. So we'll talk about, about Donovan's story, which, you know, I think it's a great little story. I got some questions about it. You know, it's a sad story. I don't feel like a righteous sense of like, I'm glad they nailed that son of a bitch. I just feel sad for I feel sad for the CBC. I do. Like, how much more can they take? My God. And I feel sad for Evan Solomon, right? Like, I just, like, it's depressing. The guy had a pretty good life. He had a pretty good position. Like, he was one of the top people covering politics in the country. But, you know, they they rub shoulders with, is that what you say? Rub elbows? What do you say? I I don't know. Some part of your arm. He was rubbing parts of his arms with the Mm -hmm. arms of political elites and just members of the establishment, elites, millionaires. And this happens again and again where journalists, like, instead of saying, like, my job is to cover you people and to scrutinize you and hold you to account, they start saying, why not me? Why don't I have the big cottage in Muskoka? Like, why, why can't I be amongst this crowd? We don't have a lot of celebrities in Canada, let alone celebrity journalists. But the CBC is only going to pay what at most was he getting three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars dollars $400,000. Poor Evan. And he's surrounded by people who are doing quite a bit better than that. And his, his celebrity is worth more than the CBC is able to pay him. And so they find all these other ways to get paid. And it's like, what do you call it? But greed. It's just sad that they like, it's, it's self-sabotaging, you know? You're reminding me of listening to the CBC growing up, right? And it's sad hearing these allegations against hosts over and over again. I, I do have concerns about that. Um, I think, you know, they are still allegations at this point, though, right? Is CBC investigating this or is it done? That's an excellent question. Is CBC investigating this? I mean, you know, at this point, like what is left to be determined about this? There's still some questions about like, was there a cash envelope that he didn't report to the C- to, to Revenue Canada? But he's he's basically admitted that he's had this business. It's all pretty well documented. All right, let's talk about what do we what should we take first? Should we take the I want to look at Donovan's story and then I want to look at the CBC response. What should we get into first? Uh, whichever you please. Well, let's talk about Donovan's piece, okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a cut and dry piece of investigation. You brought up earlier that he both with CBC and with Solomon, we've got sort of two interviews. One where Solomon, you know, denies it and then further information is presented and Solomon says, I am not in the art business. I used to have an art business, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then the CBC as well. uh, Yes, we are aware of Evan Solomon's art business. We have no problem with it. And then Donovan, you know, I think he wrote something like, I presented them with documentation. They said, we're going to have to have a look at this. Mm -hmm. So this is, um, this is what you do, right? You, you basically, you, you wait till you've got the goods 
And then you, you, you don't let it be known when you go for your first interview, do you have the goods? And you hope that the person incriminates themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they do. They say, oh, this is, there's nothing to this. And you say, well, what about this? Here's the smoking gun. And they go, oops. And then you've got them contradicting themselves. And that's how the story is built. Um, that's fine. That's how we do this. You know, what I am curious about and what Stephanie Nolan actually was curious about, uh, Globe and Mail journalist was responding to somebody on Twitter who said, one wonders where Donovan got the emails from. The story is completely built on the emails between Solomon and Bruce Bailey, this art dealer and the contract Mm -hmm. between them. Like that's what the story comes from. Um, that's a substantiation. And so somebody on Twitter was like, well, where did he get these emails? Like these emails were between Bruce Bailey and Evan Solomon. So who gave Kevin Donovan those emails? And Stephanie Nolan says, that was my question the whole way through. I kept saying it louder and louder. It's too important not to address in this piece. If I, as a reader, am going to trust that Donovan has all of Solomon's email, tell me how. I need the source. So that's nowhere in there. He did say on uh, – Donovan was interviewed on CBC this morning. He said, well, I have, I have – uh, it, was, it was a tip. To take this apart, it's not that difficult to figure out. I don't know anything conclusively, but if you go through the piece, who is in the piece? Evan Solomon is in the piece. Donovan goes to him for a quote. Jim Balsilli is in the piece. Donovan goes to him for a quote. The CBC is in the piece, goes to him for, the, for a quote. Mark Carney is in the piece, goes to him for, the, for a quote. Bruce Bailey – the art dealer, not only is there no quote from him, there's nothing in the piece where Donovan says, I approached Bruce Bailey for comment and he did not respond. Bruce Bailey, who had all of those emails and documents, I don't know what happened, but I've got a pretty strong suspicion. And then the deal goes sour between Solomon and Bruce Bailey. And lo and behold, here's this story. Could there have been a third party involved? Totally. Anything mm-hmm. could have happened. Right. Somebody could have you dropped just a folder in a, in a gutter. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess the part that, that is a little bit, I'm not going to point any fingers uh, at Donovan over this. You know? And I asked him, like, why is Bruce Bailey uh, not quoted or, or you know, why did you not seek comment? I asked Donovan and he didn't respond to me. There's lots of reasons why Kevin Donovan might not be returning my, my calls. Um, but tell me yourself as a journalist, like the part that I think is worthy of just some discussion. I'm not saying that it's the wrong way to go, but if somebody is like, my business dealing with this person went south. I'm going to expose them. Let me call up a journalist and see if they're willing to. What is the journalist's role in being kind of the instrument of that? I mean, or maybe that's just where all stories come from is that somebody's got an axe to grind. Yeah. I mean, I think Donovan did a great job on this story. Obviously, when you read it, you can tell it's very thorough. And he he uh, brought out the main points about uh, this, you know, contravening the code of ethics um, and you know, caught Solomon in um, contradictory statements. So it's an excellent piece. Um, In general, I would say if someone came to me with emails like this, I would want um, a lot of uh, backup and verification about this. Like I would, I would definitely want to know who else was on the emails. I I would want to know whether there were additional emails, whether I was getting the whole thing. Yeah. Because sometimes you're just getting a piece, a piece of the conversation. Take other things and make you look bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can give them benefit of the doubt that maybe that happened. And, you know, if people weren't out to expose other people, then we would never get any scoops. I don't, I don't think that there was anything wrong, even if this was a single source kind of, you know, whoever that source was provided the contracts and the emails and that stuff looks pretty sound to me. I think if there's any error, it's just that there's like a big head scratcher there of like, you've got to at least give me some indication, an anonymous source, was the anonymous source a player in this? 
I would have liked a little bit more bearing as, as Stephanie Nolan was suggesting as to like just how the story came to be. You know, it's funny. I mean, Donovan always preaches like if you're investigating somebody, go to them for comment soon. Don't wait till the very end. And we know that he went to Solomon for comment early Monday morning. Like this all happened very quickly. This was not a four months in the eight months long star investigation. This all happened very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't go to to like the person you're alleging things are happening to first, right? Like you need to be really careful and and build all of these documents, just like you said earlier. Um, it, it all depends on the investigation, right? Totally. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with Donovan, or I'm not sure that that's even something that he does every time. I mean, we certainly investigated Gameshi for a while before we went to him. And, you, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, like the actual letter that you send with the allegations could be considered libelous, so you better make sure that you're, you know, there's lots of stuff you got to do before you send that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's the sense that I get of this story of just really and, – and, again, all, there's a lot of conjecture uh, in, in, in me trying to figure out how this all came to be. So I, I, you know, I don't know this stuff for a fact. But, but that's, uh, that's my, like, relatively hot take on it. But let's talk about the CBC for a second here because, like, mm-hmm. they, they too – we do know the timeline there. We do, we do know that the CBC was uh, two years ago, Solomon suggests, is when he disclosed to them that he had this moonlighting art business – and then we're recording this on Wednesday. Two days ago, Donovan goes to them and says, you know, again, the first comment is, do you know about this business? Yes, we do. It's totally okay. Well, why don't you have a look at this contract where Solomon in the contract is identifying himself as a journalist and where he's, you know, and the documentation, the emails, the whole thing. And then they say, okay, we're going to have to take a close look at this. So what's interesting to me about their response is, that's right. We're going to have to take a close look at this, but they don't do anything about it except take him off the air. When do they fire him? like an hour after Donovan's story comes out, which it's the same situation again, which is like, can't you guys take a moral stand without being exposed first? If there's nothing new, you knew that story before Donovan's story came out. You had a couple of days where you knew the substantive content of that story. So it was the question like, maybe Donovan won't publish. Maybe we can, maybe we can ride this out. We'll never know because they, they, they didn't do anything until the story came out. I mean, there is no way to know, right? I mean, they said initially that they were going to take him off the air pending an investigation. So, you know, are they going to look into this further? Well, then that's not true, right? Because they obviously, uh, they fired him. So they didn't wait for that investigation. (laughs) I mean, are they, I would, I would love to know whether they are going to still look into this. I I would want to look into it if I were them. And not just that, but like, Mm -hmm. there are a lot, like, why, why can't the CBC figure this stuff out for themselves? Right? Why are journalists like CBC's got journalists? CBC has lawyers they can hire. Are they not looking into? Because I know there's a lot more stuff about other personalities there. For once, if if the CBC were to say, you know what, we've actually found a problem with this honor personality, and they're no longer going to be working here, without it being a headline, you know, front page story, it might show that there's like some kind of self-imposed moral standard in that organization. Because right now, like, I agree with Dave Seglin's, you know, a CBC journalist who tweeted, devastatingly tired of CBC Follies' abuses of public trust. Like, if you work there and you care about the place and you're not doing this kind of stuff, which the vast majority of people there, that's the position they're in, they are the ones who really, like, you know, management is just, like, dealing with this, like, just trying to, like, I mean, they're covering their own asses and not taking any kind of, like, this is how we're going to make this stop from, stop this from happening. We're going to clean house. Who actually pays the price? I think it's, it's the credibility of every working journalist there. 
I think what they would say to that is that they do have a disclosures page for, um, for example, speaking deals and this kind of stuff. And they do encourage their journalists to disclose to them, as Solomon did about part of this, right? And I think, you know, at Canada Land, you've used that disclosures page in the past as well to work on your own stories, sure. right? Yeah, but we've seen a pattern here of hosts disclosing partially, right? Gameshi disclosed partially. Uh, Amanda Lang disclosed partially. Evan Solomon disclosed partially. If you've got one of your hosts coming to you as management saying, look, just so this isn't a problem later, I want to make sure that this thing I'm doing is okay. That's your first indication that you better look really closely at them. Because if Kevin Donovan can figure that stuff out or if I can figure that stuff about them, then certainly the CBC, especially when they're being tipped off by the journalists themselves, like, okay, thank you for sharing this information. Let's have it all. You know, because it's always like, yes, based on what they told us, we gave them, a, a, you know, clearance to keep going. So I think they got to do better than that. Yeah. In general, I would say more transparency is better. Okay, Hillary, let's talk about your story. Sure. Today, a Senate committee on national security and defense heard evidence about how to change the culture of bullying and harassment inside the national police force. But they heard some explosive allegations. Five supervisors that I've had have been subjects of sexual harassment complaints, sexual assault charges. Did Commissioner Paulson get involved? What happened here? I have no idea if there were investigations. To this date, I have not received a response. Are you saying that there is a cover-up when you make allegations like that? There's a cover-up for leaders in, that goes on inside the RCMP? I'm saying that there's a decision to take inaction when it suits them. Who knew about this on the political side, outside of the RCMP? Personally, I've spoken to Stephen Harper in August of 2005 to indicate issues and concerns. I spoke to his uh, uh, secretary, Ray Novak. Have you had any response from the RCMP yet? Uh, not as yet. We'll see what tomorrow brings. So there's former CBC journalist Evan Solomon on this story that you picked up on. And the most recent development, I'll read your headline from Vice, Hillary. Media gives up court battle for document that may contain personal information about Stephen Harper's family. What the hell is this about? RCMP, personal information about Stephen Harper's family, a media court battle. I, I, I confess, I don't think that this has anything to do with the clarity of your writing. I feel like this is one of those stories where there's all kinds of, it's a minefield of what you can say and what you can't say. But it, I don't quite understand what this is about. Can you tell me what it's about? For sure. That's exactly how I felt when I started looking into it as well. Um, I heard that there were secrets about Harper's family and that I should start looking into this case. So uh, essentially what you heard there was Evan Solomon interviewing Peter Merrifield, who's an RCMP officer. Um, he's suing his employers. He actually, it's a 10-year court uh, battle where he had to take it all the way to the Supreme Court just to get the right to sue his employers. So he's got a harassment case against them. He's suing his former employer because he ran for office and they wouldn't let him or they would let him. But then there was some confusion of whether he was allowed to run for office or not. And then he felt he was being harassed. It's a harassment suit. Right. It's another story that touches on conflict of interest. Okay. So uh, his employer or his supervisors rather um, believed he had a conflict of interest. Whether he did is still up for debate. Um, but they allegedly started bullying him because they perceived he had a conflict of interest. So, so 10 years later, he's he's taken this to court, a harassment case against the RCMP. Exactly. And in December, a witness for Mary Fields uh, filed an affidavit that had some letters attached, some very interesting letters. Um, allegedly, they contain information about Stephen Harper's family life. 
and allegations of RCMP wrongdoing. So, uh, four media outlets, the CBC, McLean's, the National Post, and the Star, decided that they wanted to look at these documents, as you know, anyone would, right? First of all, do you know what possible link there is between this guy's harassment case and Stephen Harper's family life? Yes, I know everything in background, but I cannot tell you anything. That was my next question. You know, but you can't say. Yes. And then this all happens. Why are these court documents not automatically public? Right. So there was an informant in the case, although you can't say for sure whether there was an informant because of the level of secrecy on this case. Um, this this person has a right to uh, have their name withheld from, from the court process. So they're their name is private. Thus necessitating this uh, consortium of, of media intervening and all pooling together their resources and paying lawyers to say, we w- want this document to be public. And that was the, their fight. It didn't even get there. Oh. So the judge um, the judge said, okay, we're going to seal this document because all of the information in the document tends to identify the source. And the source has a right to have their name withheld. Um, so the the media outlets said, okay, can you, can you uh, remove the sealing order on this document because we want to be able to read it and you just have to prevent, protect the identity of the source. Why can't you allow all of this information to be public? But the judge upheld her sealing order. So they had a 30-day appeal period to, uh, to say, look, you should really make the contents of this document public and let's not forget that it's an election year. Um, but they let the 30-day period run out. And so this document is likely never going to see the light of day. Wow. There's like stories upon stories there. Yep. But what you are left with and what we're going to kind of focus on as a discussion about the media is that they, they kind of have – and do, do, they, do they know as you do on background what's in there? Yep. They know it. And to my knowledge, they know it. Okay. Well, you know it. I know it. How do you know it? I know it because I verified it through a source. Okay. But I can't say who. Is this the kind of thing where if you're in court, you can hear it, but then it's under a publication ban? Or or does no one in, in the courtroom even hear it? Is it just the judge? We're not it? even allowed in the courtroom when this is being discussed. So you know this because a source told you what's in there? Yes. And you're pretty sure that you've got accurate information? Yes. And you're pretty sure the rest of the media knows what's in there too? Yep. And can you tell me if this is newsworthy in, uh, information that would be of interest to voters in the coming election? I think it would be fair to say... Uh, the public would find some of the information interesting. Now, let us uh, not confuse what the public finds interesting with the public interest. As, <laughs> Agreed. As Grant versus Torstar, uh, is this something that would, would you argue the public has a right to know what's in there? Yes, absolutely. So why have all of the news organizations in Canada given up? They're st- they still had legal recourse to keep fighting for this, and it sounds like they could have made a, some kind of a case. Why did they stop? Well, first of all, I think uh, the judge upheld the sealing order for a good reason. We have to remember that this source, this informant has a right to privacy. So the judge is, all she's doing is protecting that source. So the the appeal would have had to go to the Ontario Court of Appeal. Um, The lawyer for the four media outlets told me it would have cost at least $25,000, although he he didn't do the calculations exactly. Split between how many organizations? Four. He said that all or most of them would have had to go in on it. For financial reasons or for... He, he said that you could extrapolate that probably it was for financial reasons that they didn't go forward with it. So because they didn't want to kick in 4000 bucks each, you said five organizations or four? 
for organizations. So because they didn't want to put in, yeah, five or six thousand dollars each, they are not going to pursue newsworthy information about the prime minister. So to be clear, I don't know what the editors decided or the publishers decided. I don't know why. The lawyer just gave me the impression. I see. And there's a quote in the story, if you go to vice.com and read it, that from the lawyer saying uh, you can you can presume, given the current state of the media, you know, we're all going through troubling financial times, that perhaps it was a financial decision. That was the lawyer's best guess is that they were, just, they were too cheap to do it. They just didn't have the resources to pursue this. You know, usually we talk about how the media covers a story. Today, you and I are sitting here talking about how the media isn't going to cover this story. Yeah. That's pretty shabby if the Canadian media, for lack of that kind of paltry sum of money per organization is going to give up the fight for something that, that their readers might need to know about. Again, I don't know whether that's the only reason yeah. because there could be a few reasons. You know, if you read through the story, you know, there are some things I touch on. You can kind of read between the lines. It's that kind of story. Um, and it could also be because uh, the judge's ruling was sound. There could have been, you know, a few different reasons for this. And the lawyer did initially argue that it was in the public interest and, uh, you know, argue for freedom of the press. But somebody Again, felt that appeal. that argument could be made well enough to pay them to go and make it. So yeah. that, that argument exists, I yeah. guess. What a weird phantom conversation we're having. It's just so I strange. I know, I know. It's layers upon layers of secrecy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but you know what it is. Yeah, I do. Can you tell me when we stop recording? No. Ah. I can't I can't contravene a judge's order and I can't put an informant at risk and I can't do any of that. Does that like kill you as a rep- like your job isn't to like collect secrets just so you know them. That your job is is to know this stuff and tell people about it. Yeah, I mean, that's what we do, but I can't. It's crazy. I'm trying to think of ways of tricking you. <laughs> you can try. I'm not going to try, but is there any way that this might come out in the future? Can you see any avenue to this coming out? I think if the media outlets or any members of the media uh, were to go ahead and try to verify the information independently, yeah. which is what I believe some of them have done, though I don't know for sure, then there are avenues for this to come out. However, you know, in some stories, speaking generally, you might need to point at a document that's been made public to be able to say, look, we can make this story public because look what's in this document. I, I was with you till the end there. So if you can point at, you know, for example, with the uh, with the Kevin Donovan, Evan Solomon story, you know, these emails say this, like, would yeah. you respond? We can come up with the story because these documents say so. Well, yeah, yeah. If you can point at a document uh, that's public or that you have that isn't sealed. You hear people say, is there paper? Is there paper? Do you just have a bunch paper? of people talking? Is, or is there, there public paper? paper? Yeah. Is there paper you have and own and can't and have a right to? It sounds like you're suggesting that there's not going to be paper. There's never going to be paper. There's no good reason that in an election year before October, this could come out. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts. Hope you enjoyed it. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read them all. I respond when I can. I'm on Twitter at Jesse Brown. Hillary, where can people find you? At Hillary Beaumont. Do you want me to spell it? Spell it. H-I-L-A-R-Y-B-E-A-U-M-O-N-T. The website is canadalandshow.com, and the crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. I make this show with Katie Jensen. The next episode of Canada Land will be out on Monday, and the next episode of Canada Land Commons will be out on Tuesday. If you like this show, 
supported. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.